0: Listen, you trust me? <laughs> really? Because I need you to hold on to something while I preach. But I, you can't look at it. You just just hold it, and I'll get it from you later. Can you do that for me? All right, hold on. Hold on let me find it. It's nothing scary. It's not like a spider or anything. Because if it was a spider, I wouldn't hold it. <laughs> if there's a spider, just, just hold on to that, and just and I'll get it later, okay? Just, but I can trust you. Will you. Paul, will you keep an eye on her? All right, thank you. <laughs> we'll come back to that. We'll, <laughs> we'll come back to that. <laughs> Um, Several weeks ago, this past Monday, I was on my treadmill, and I was thinking about something that happened to me a few weeks ago, which completely changed the message for today. So the message I originally had planned for today, I'm going to preach it next week, excited about it. But this past Monday, I was thinking about A few weeks ago, when we had a a lot of rain, remember like the the outer bands of that hurricane was coming through, and we're getting kind of a lot of rain, and for me, um, when I drive, I drive a truck, I drive a big truck, because my, my goal is, if I ever get in a wreck with your car, I want my car to win, that's the goal, and so I have a big truck or an SUV usually, so I'm driving this big truck, and I'm going down the road. And big trucks are usually pretty stable. And, and cars, sometimes when the, there's a lot of water on the road, you can hit water and you can hydroplane. But in, in trucks, that typically doesn't happen because they're big. But on this particular day, I'm driving down the road, might have been going a little too fast for conditions, no idea, nobody was there to prove it, and I hit a puddle of water and hydroplaned. And in that moment, I experienced two emotions that all of us have felt if you've ever hydroplaned. The first emotion I felt was I'm... Completely out of control, which is weird because I—I I don't know about you. I'm a little bit of a control freak. Some of you are. Um, I like to be in control. But as the truck is like, I'm—I'm I'm supposed to be going this direction, and when the truck is this way, there's a mixture of prayer and profanity going on at the same time. And if you've never prayed if you've never had an experience where you've never had prayer and profanity happening at the same time, you hadn't lived life because it's like, oh God, help me, Jesus. Son. Anyway, so that's where I'm kind of going in my mind. So I'm out of control. And then the second thing that I realized in that moment is I'm all by myself. And, and just and some of you are like, oh, that's good. That meant nobody else got hurt. No, no, no. I want somebody to die with me. Like, I, I want somebody to like, I, I didn't even have my dog with me. I'm like all by myself. And as I was thinking about th- that instance during my run, I thought about 2020. And how crazy has this year been. And and how just on a macro level, as Americans, how out of control does the world seem right now? I mean, it's unreal. Like, we've got a global pandemic going on, and they changed their mind about what, how you can catch it or if you can catch it or whatever. It seems like they changed. I quit watching the news. I'm like, I don't want to know. If I don't know, it's not real. Like, I quit. And then po- politics? I feel like, personally, I'm, a, I'm in the back seat The people that drive in the car, both of them are drunk, and neither of them know any idea where they're going. That's how I feel. Completely out of control. We we live in an out-of-control world. And when COVID hit, one of the most devastating things about that disease that nobody talks about is how it isolated people and made people feel all alone. And so the, the two of the things that none of us love to feel are out of control and alone, and today we live in a society that forces us to feel like we're out of control and all alone. Now, that's not that's on a macro level. There are people in this room that you're like, hey, forget COVID, forget politics, forget the economy. My life is out of control, and, and you know how I know that is because. When we go to the doctor, we don't get to control the information they give back to us. And some of us, maybe you got a bad doctor report. Some of us have maybe lost a family member or a friend completely out of our control. Some of us lost our job due to some downsizing in the economy, out of control, and then feeling all alone. Now, I don't know about you. I like to be, I, I like solitude from time to time, like going to, going to lunch and reading a book by myself. I like that. That's fun. I've, every once in a while, I have people go, oh my gosh. Are you eating by yourself? Do you need some company? No, I don't need company. I love this book right here. This is a great book. You, there's somebody sitting there. Who? Holy Spirit. He does not want you in that chair. So, so I kind of push that away. But I don't like to be alone. And there's some people here today, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, and you feel like you're in the middle of a battle and you're all by yourself. And you can't really tell anybody because if you tell somebody about this battle, you feel like it's going to get worse. And, and as I was thinking during this run last, this, just this past Monday, I felt like God gave me one main point. And I'm going to give it to you right at the beginning. So if you have to leave or it gets boring or you want to know what the line is on the games today, you can check that on your phone or whatever. I'm going to give you the main point before we really dive in. But if you don't get anything else I say, I want you to get this. If you're going through a battle and you feel all alone, I want you to know that we're stronger than this. What's going on in our nation right now, what's going on with the economy, no matter if the Democrats or the Republicans win, we, when I say we, I'm talking about the church, we're stronger than this. And we, as the church, are stronger than anything you, as an individual, you're going through. And you might not be able to handle it, but we can. Because we are stronger than whatever is coming against you. Because scripture says very clearly in Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. So with that in mind, I'm going to pick up right where we ended off last week, Acts chapter 3. So Acts chapter 2, we talked about it last week. The Holy Spirit comes and fills the room where all the believers are. There's about 120 of them. All of them start speaking in other languages. People come running. Peter preaches and three thousand people get saved. That's not a bad Sunday. In fact, for a lot of churches, that's not a bad decade, all right? But we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 3 because we've got a little momentum going, and Acts chapter 3 says this. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. So evidently, I guess they had like an 8.30 service and 10 o'clock, so I don't know how that worked, but that's they went to prayer service at 3 o'clock. As they approached the temple. A man lame from birth was being carried in. Now, I had to stop when I was reading through this because that, that phrase right there, a man lame from birth, it took me back to college. And I would, um, in college, I love to argue. I don't know if you've ever met an argumentative person. I used to be very argumentative. I won't hardly argue over anything now. But in college, I wanted to argue everything. And I had this one guy, he would always like, he would, he, this, this was what he said. This is what he said. Christian, Christian, Christianity is nothing more than a crutch. And I didn't have a, I didn't have a comeback. And so we would be getting an argument, and I would kind of be trying to talk to him about Christ and be like, you know why I want to become a Christian? Because Christianity is nothing but a crutch. Christianity is nothing but a crutch. Every time I saw him, Christianity is nothing but a crutch. I read this passage, and I was so ready for him the next time he said it because I remember we were talking. He said, Christianity is nothing but a crutch. And I said, that's awesome. I need a crutch because I'm lame. I was born lame. I was born sinful. I was born messed up. I was born in need of a Savior. And I'm so thankful that Christ is my crutch because Christ is my crutch. I can walk through anything that this world throws at me. Now, he didn't become a Christian, but I won the argument. Anyway, so the the reason I point this out is because this is us in the story. We were born sinful. None of us had to teach our kids how to sin, and nobody had to teach us how to sin. So we're kind of like this man, lame from birth, he was being carried in. Now, watch how, watch how crazy this is. Each day, he was put beside the temple gate. You know why he's put beside the temple gate? Because he couldn't go in the temple. Because he was lame from birth, either he sinned, in, in, in the culture's mind, either he sinned or his parents sinned. And so he was considered to be sinful and unclean. So he could go near the temple, but he couldn't go in the temple. Because religion said, you're not good enough to come in here. Oh, my God. Have you ever felt like that? Like, you can get near Jesus, but you can't really get with Jesus because you've been told how bad you are. And you've been put outside of a gate called beautiful where you can sit and admire other people, but you could never have what they've got. That's the lie that religion teaches. And so he's sitting outside this gate, the beautiful gate, so he could beg from people going in to the temple. Let me ask you a question. Is this what he wanted to do with his life? No. Hey, kid, what do you want to be in your life? Beggar? Nobody ever says that. He's at a place in life that he didn't want to be. Did did he feel like things were out of control, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. Did he feel alone? Absolutely, felt alone. Other than the people that carried him to the gate, probably out of obligation. So he's, he's sitting beside this gate when he saw Peter and John about to enter. He asked them for some money. Now I don't know how do you, how do you handle people coming up and asking you for money because we have that right with people. I usually don't make eye contact. I don't. I, I I because I I hardly ever give. I did give this guy some money downtown one time. I never will forget this. He came up to me. He's like, "Hey man, can I get some money?" I looked him him dead in the eye. I said, you going to buy alcohol? He said, no, sir. I said, you promise? He said, I promise. I said, you swear to God right now? I was intense. He said, yeah. I said, let's pray. I pulled out a 20. I put it in his hand. I said, God, thank you for this gentleman. If he uses this money to buy alcohol (laughs) in the name of Jesus, get him amen. I really did. <laughs> we looked up, his eyes were this big. I was like, don't, he's like, I'm, I'm going to go buy food. Anyway, <laughs> it's awkward. It's just awkward when people ask you for money. So people are asking this guy from our, he's asking Peter and John for money. Now, for those that have read the story and you know the story, you know where this, this goes, why is it that we always ask God for less than what he could bless us with in the first place? We're, we're asking, we're asking for like a piece of candy and God's going, I want to give you the candy store. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, your will be done. Instead of, God, this is my plan. I want you to put your rubber stamp on it. He's, 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 about to, he's asking for money, and he's about to get way more than he ever imagined. I love this. Peter and John looked, whoop, let me go back, hit a button. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. Have you ever had somebody just come up and stare at you? It's weird. I had it a few weeks ago at Publix. I'm, I'm in there minding my own business with a little mask on, doing my little shopping. They finally took those arrows where you could go up one aisle and down the other. I never followed this anyway. But, but this woman came up, and I'm standing in the checkout line, and she's standing right here, and she's staring at me. So I pretend she's not there. She didn't go away. She's staring at me. So I did one of these numbers. And she finally was like, I knew that was you. I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a sermon illustration. I was right. Then she looked at my buggy. She looked at me. She looked at my buggy. She said, I was just looking at what you bought in your buggy. Whew. She had a bunch of cat food in hers, which explained everything. But anyway, I <laughs> think I'm kidding. <laughs> that is truth right there. So, but Peter and John are staring at this guy. Now, do you think this guy was, felt a little weirded out that they're just staring at him? They're just staring at him. Which sometimes, when people are in trouble, all we know how to do is stare. But but watch what they do. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. Because we always expect less, right? But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Pause. Do you think in that moment that the lame man was disappointed? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, of course he was. Of course he was. And there are people here today, whether you're in the room or whether you're online, you're dealing with the fact that you're disappointed in God. Now, I'm going to ask, have you ever been disappointed in God? Because we, if you grew up in church, you got taught to lie. No, I'm always happy with what God does. No, you're not. I'm not. God, how could you let my mom die? How could you let my house burn down? How could you let me get molested? How could you let the, God, how, how could you let, yes, absolutely all of us know what it's like to experience disappointment there are some people today that you're dealing with disappointment in fact it's a miracle you're even here or you're even watching so this guy's disappointed when peter said i don't have any silver gold for you but i'll give you what i have which he's thinking well i don't know what you think you got you ain't got it that's what i need in the name of jesus christ the nazarene get up and walk how bold is that? That's bold. Like, I what I don't think I got the faith to try that. But Peter and John, they got filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. So they're looking at this guy, and they're like, in the name, in other words, they're speaking life over this guy. This guy had heard nothing but death and curse spoke over him since the day he was born. And all of a sudden, here comes a man. Full of the Holy Spirit speaking life. And I think as followers of Jesus, that's what we're called to do is speak life over people because people have enough people speaking death over them. I got told by, true story, I got told by somebody a couple weeks ago, I'm going to quit following you on social media because you're too positive. I'm like too positive. My gosh! In a world that talks about negative stuff all the time, people are like, "Are you an optimist?" I'm like, "No, I'm not an optimist. I'm just a man that believes the scriptures are true. That that the best really is yet to come. That Jesus in you is greater than anything that you're going through." So no, it's way more than optimism. It's called this belief in Jesus. I've seen him bring too many people through hell. I've seen him bring me through hell, and I know if he can do it for them, and he can do it for me, he can do it for you because that's the God that we follow. So, so Peter says, get up and walk. Now, it's it's really awesome when we speak life over people, but he does something that that needs to be done in the church world today if we're going to make a difference. He didn't just speak to him. He didn't just speak to him. Watch this. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him out. See, I know a lot of people that'll speak about a person and to a person, but won't touch them. I know Christians that'll pray for you, but won't talk to you. Oh, I'll say it again for the people in the back, <laughs> right? I know Christians that'll pray for you, but won't talk to you. He re- See, the lame man was considered to be cursed. He was unclean. He could sit outside the temple, but he couldn't go in the temple. And all of a sudden, here comes this man named Peter who wouldn't just speak to him, but reached out and touched him and helped him up. Because he followed this man named Jesus, and he'd seen Jesus touch blind people and deaf people and people with leprosy, and the outcast became the inner circle of of who, who followed Jesus. And so today, if you feel like the outcast, it's probably because Jesus is trying to bring you on the inner circle of people who are following him. Jesus, Peter reached out and grabbed him by the hand. And it wasn't his words that got him up. It's when Peter took him by the hand. Watch this. Oh, 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 I almost left this out. Oh, my gosh. I almost left this out. Beggars in this time period would always hold a cup. That's what they wanted you to put the money in. So in order to take Peter's hand, he had to put his cup down. He had held on to this cup for years. This cup had provided for him so many times. but in order to receive immeasurably more than anything he could ask or imagine, he had to put his cup down so he could hold on to Peter's hand. Let me ask you a question. What do you need to put down to grab a hold of what God wants for you? What cup could you be holding on to today that you know you got to put it down? And when you do, you're going to receive more than you ever imagined. Feel the tension in the room. I'm not calling out any. I'm just saying, what cup do you need to put down? If something just popped in your mind, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, so he got hops, right, and stood on his feet and began to walk, which is what we would expect. But then things get a little bit crazy. Then walking, leaping, and praising God he went into the temple with them, which drew some attention. Would you agree? Because it's the same in every service, 830 30, 10, 30. I know who's coming. I know when you're going to come. I know where you're going to park. I know the general direction you're going to walk. I know the door you're going to walk in. I know the door, one of these doors. I know which door you're going to walk in here. I know where you're going to sit because you sit in the same place every week. And if somebody's in your seat, you get a little pissed off because they're sitting in your seat. We talked about our grandma getting mad, but we get mad. I know you're going to sit in the same seat. And, and everybody walks in here usually the same way 8:30, 30, 10, 11 30. We just kind of walk in, kind of barely making it. We got a Starbucks cup. But what if one Sunday we're standing outside and we see a group of people walking in, but there's one guy and he's like, Woohoo! 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 That's going to draw some attention. In fact, if I'm standing out and I see that, I'm like, there's our next staff member. If he passes his drug test. <laughs> you just got to pass it once to be on staff. We don't test it again. But, but that's <laughs> kind of true. But can we agree that this guy is kind of excited? And he's excited because he's never walked. And all of a sudden, he's walking. So he's got some joy in his life. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was... The lame beggar. They had seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were absolutely astounded. Not not when they realized he is, but he was. He was the lame beggar. But you know what? They couldn't call him that anymore. Because God not only changed his circumstances, he changed his identity. Because of that, let me just say this. With boldness and confidence, don't you ever let somebody identify you by who you used to be because who you used to be in Christ is not who you are today you i don't care what you did i don't care how things used to be he was a lame beggar but with one encounter with jesus he became a brand he was neither lame and he didn't have to beg that's what jesus does he not only changes the circumstances he changes everything So you got this guy that used to be the lame beggar. It seemed so often at the beautiful gate, and they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. You don't say, if somebody just healed me, I'm holding on tight too. Now, I love Peter because he takes advantage. Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. He preached a gospel message, just like he did in Acts chapter 2. Now, we would expect at this point things to go well. And let me just ask you a question, just a very simple question. Did Peter and John do anything bad, wrong, or evil? Yes or no? Yes. N- no, they didn't do anything. They healed a guy. They healed a guy that was sick. That's all they did. But watch what happens. This is crazy. This is, this is crazy. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard and some Sadducees. Anybody see a problem? They just healed a guy. But all of a sudden the religious leaders show up. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus is all about freedom. Religion is all about control and manipulation. And when religion realizes they're losing control and manipulation, they freak out. In fact, some of you are here today, and the reason you walked away from church at one point is you, because you felt like you didn't feel encouraged, you didn't feel built up, you felt controlled and manipulated. Because that's what religion does every single time. So, so they show up. These leaders were very disturbed. Well, hold on. Did a guy just get healed? Yes or no? Yes. Don't. Religious people always miss the miracle because if the miracle doesn't happen in their system, it didn't happen. Hey, did you hear so-and-so got saved? Yeah, but they got saved at that church. What? You hear so-and-so's going to church? Yeah, yeah, but we don't like the church they're going to. What? You hear so-and-so got back? Yeah, I don't believe it's going to last. What? Religious people always miss the miracle. So... (laughs) So these leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus, there is a resurrection of the dead. Now, let's go ahead and tell you, through Jesus, there is a resurrection from the dead. They're not, te- they're not doing anything bad or wrong or evil. They arrested them. What? Okay, a real quick question. How many of y'all ever been arrested? And In fact, don't raise your hand. Because um, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's just bad. some things are better if you don't know them. Cause we, we had somebody in the last service went right here. I was like, okay. I knew that, but I don't know that everybody else knew that. Um, they got arrested. This kind of blows up some of our traditional Christian theology. Like, remember that song, Trust and Obey? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. They didn't teach us this version, trust and obey, and you'll get arrested and thrown on jail all night, so trust and obey. We wouldn't have sang that song, not in the church I grew up in, that you can do everything good and right and still have things fall apart on you. They, they arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. They didn't even a phone call, Right? I I don't know that from personal experience, just Philip told me, you get a phone call. (laughs) But many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Now, is this ministry paralleling anything that we've seen in the scripture so far? Yeah, it is, because remember Jesus one time had some loaves, some fishes, and there were a bunch of people left. there were a bunch of people around, and he fed a bunch of people. And the Bible said the number of men when he fed them were numbering about what? 5,000. I'm sure that's just coincidence. It's just in the Bible. I just love the Bible. It's a great book. The next day, the high council of all the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest, they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name? Have you done this? Now, I love the fact that Luke documents who was there. And the reason I love the fact that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, documents who's there, because this is really important. Annas and Caiaphas. Annas and Caiaphas. Huh. Where have we heard those names before? Annas and Caiaphas. Well, if we read the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of John, we realize that both of those guys were actually the two men that spearheaded the movement for Jesus to be crucified. By the way, this is the last time they're ever mentioned in the Bible. Ever. And nobody names their name, nobody names their kid Annas or Caiaphas. Now I'm saying that, somebody's watching, you got a cousin named Caiaphas, and I'm sorry, it's your cousin's name Caiaphas. It's a bad name. They should change it. (laughs) Because that's the guy that killed Jesus. Who? Who are you named after? God killed Jesus. Change the name. Anyway you got to say that today because have you ever noticed everybody gets offended today? Everybody thinks they have a right to not be offended. You don't want to get offended? Don't follow me. I'm going to say something. Not on purpose, dear God. Annas and Caiaphas. Now, here's what's crazy. Let's think back for a second. Let's think back for a second. Peter, the night that Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, what did Peter and the other disciples do? They ran. Took off. Because they were scared. They were filled with fear. And then Peter... It goes on to tell us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that he was given an opportunity to identify himself as a follower of Christ three separate times, and all three times Peter did what? He did not. So could we say, could we logically conclude that Peter lacked courage, yes or no? Yes, no courage in Peter. But in Acts chapter 2, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and what caused him to run in the gospels now causes him now he stands the only difference is the holy spirit lives inside him watch what happens this is great because they're making these demands then peter filled with the holy spirit there it is there's that verse filled with the holy spirit said to them now let me ask you a question do you think in this moment that peter could have possibly felt things were out of control and he's all alone absolutely But he gets filled with the Spirit. He gets filled with the Spirit. And he says to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? I'm imagining he's doing the head bob by this point. Can't prove it, but I'm just thinking he is. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified. And I can't prove this, but I think he paused. I think he pointed at Annas. I think he pointed at Caiaphas and said, the man you crucified, but he didn't stop there, but whom God raised from the dead. In other words, the message that he wanted, the message that the religious leaders wanted him to stop preaching He didn't shut it down, even when he was standing in front of the men who had Jesus killed and had the power and the authority to have him killed too. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he went from being a coward to being courageous. Only difference is the Holy Spirit. Now, this next part, I love this. For Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures, which is kind of a slap in the face because they had memorized the Scriptures, and here you have Peter telling them about the Scriptures. Where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Now, where did the boldness come from? The Holy Spirit. What do we have living inside of us if we're believers? The Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit that we see in this story lives inside of us. That same boldness is there to face any battle that we're facing, to fight through the discouragement, even when we feel out of control and alone. The Holy Spirit is is with us just like he was Peter and John. For they could see (laughs) that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Now, this is why I love um, the Bible just being so real, because in the Greek, and I know I don't break down that many Greek words, but in the Greek... um, Ordinary men, this word is translated idiotase where we get our word idiot from. So basically, they realized these guys were idiots. And I'm like, those are my people. I made a 790 on my SAT, barely got into college. Hello, I'm an idiot, right? With no special training in scriptures. I dropped out of seminary. Yes, these are my people. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I think it's because they were willing to touch the lame man, just like Jesus was willing to touch all the untouchables. And so So, But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. Because the guy's like, and I'm not sure if he's like still, I I think he's probably doing one of these by now. He's not like jumping and leaving, but he's like crisscross. Crisscross will make you jump, jump. I think that's kind of, that stong's in your head right now. You're welcome. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. In other words, they missed the miracle and had a meeting. They missed the miracle and called a church meeting to talk about the theological ramifications of everything that happened. Don't don't miss the miracle that God wants to do in your life because it might not fit in to the exact way you thought God wanted to do it. God's got a crazy way of getting us from point A to point B. It's usually not the direction that we would have chosen, but the results are always better. Well, they met, and they made a decision. We kill Jesus, Peter and John, if you don't shut it down, we'll kill you too. That's what they got told. And in that moment, without the Holy Spirit, Peter and John could have felt out of control, all alone, and ran for their lives which is what the religious leaders wanted them to do. But I love what Luke tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. As soon as they were freed from jail, Peter and John returned to the other believers, in other words, and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. In other words, they got out of jail, they went to church. And I was like, that's, the pl- that's what I want our place to be. That's how I want our house to be. Like, you get out of jail... You can come to church. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last summer. I don't care what you did last week. I want this to be a place where you can walk in and listen to me. Not feel out of control or all alone. Because while it may be overwhelming you, it can't overwhelm us because we're stronger than this. We are. You might not be strong enough to handle what you're going through, but we, as a body of believers, we can we're stronger than this and sometimes we need the help of one another just like the lame man never would have walked had Peter not grabbed him by the hand and the Bible says they prayed about it instead of worrying about it and and Luke tells us after this prayer the meeting place shook they were all filled with the Holy Spirit then they preached the Word of God with boldness you know why they could preach the word of God with boldness? Because they realized they weren't alone and God was in control. My prayer today is that you can realize that you're not alone. And God is in control. And if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, listen to me. You already have the peace and the strength and the hope that you've been praying. It's in you. It's in you already. Listen, you still got my envelope. Do me a favor. I gave you an envelope before I got up here. Give me $500. Just give me $500. What's the problem? You're sitting next to your dad. Give me $500. You don't have it? What? Open that envelope up. in that it's another what's in what's in there? But oh is that money? Count that out. I wonder how much that is. Just count it out. Twenty just count out loud. Can't just yeah. 60, 80, 2, 40, 60, 80, 3, Twenty, forty, three, Listen, give me five hundred dollars. You'll see what happened. I asked for something that she didn't think she had. But she had it the whole time I was up here preaching. She just didn't know it. If she had known it, she would have been a target. (laughs) And when I asked her for it, she started looking around like I don't... But the reason I asked her for it with so much confidence is I gave it to her before I asked it from her and the reason God is asking you to be strong is he's already given you the strength and the reason God is asking you to be peaceful he's already given you the peace. And the reason God is asking you to be filled with hope is he's already put that inside of you. And the reason God is telling you that you're bold, he's already given it to you. He's already put it into you. And all he's doing right now is asking you to give him back what he put inside of you in the first place. Because that's what he does through the power of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, can we pray? Father, I want to ask right now in the name of Jesus and pray over every single person in this room. God, that we would understand that in you we're ne- we're never alone, and God, things are not out of control. That you literally hold the universe in your hands. And with heads bowed and eyes closed today, if you showed up today and you are you you feel like, oh my gosh, this message was just for me. You're fighting a battle today, and you feel like things are out of control in your life. And to be honest, you felt pretty alone in the struggle that you're going through. Sometimes I'll have you raise your hand, and sometimes I'll have you walk out of the back, but not today. Today, if that's you, if you feel like this message was preached specifically for you, and you want, you want prayer today, then I want you right where you're sitting right now just to stand on your feet and remain standing. And do it. Do it right now. I want you to stand up. And don't look around and see if anybody else is doing it because this isn't their decision, it's your decision. I want you to stand up. If you have felt alone, overwhelmed, like things are out of control, you don't know how you're going to handle it, So I want you to stand up and remain standing. There's no shame in this. There's no shame in this. There's no shame in this at all. There's no shame in this at all. People are continuing to stand. I want to open it up just for a few more seconds. If you feel like this is you, you need to stand. I want you to stand. I want you to be courageous enough to stand up. Amen. Now, if you didn't stand up, I want you to open your eyes and see if there's somebody standing near you or next to you. And if they are, I want you to stand up next to them right now and just put your hand on their shoulder. Just put your hand on the shoulder. Just make sure nobody's standing by themselves. Just put your hand on their shoulder. We got, some, we got a lady right back here. If somebody just put, just make sure nobody's standing by themselves. Make sure nobody's standing. Look around. And right now, with your hand on your shoulder, their shoulder, I want you to pray for them. Pray for them out loud. Pray for them right now. Just pray for them. Just pray for them. You don't even have to know their name. God knows their name. God knows why they're here. Just, just lift them up right now in prayer. Just pray that God will bless them, that God will fill them with hope, that God will fill them with encouragement, that God will fill them with peace, that God will fill them with joy, that they will walk in his grace, that they will walk in his mercy, that they will know, that we will know that God is an almighty fortress who goes before us and never leaves us. You're not alone. God is with us. Almighty fortress, you go before us.